Let us pray. Gracious and holy God, we're grateful that there's nothing, nothing that we face in this world, in our country, that you cannot do. We thank you that you're with us in this season in which we're in. We thank you, Lord, that you surround us. It's your might and your strength. And Lord, we come to celebrate who you are and what you're doing. Even though we might feel disconnected, Lord, wherever we are, whatever we have been through, whatever we're facing, you're right here with us and in the midst of us. So, Lord, we come to give you praise and thanks for that moment and for this week ahead. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, tomorrow is the day that we have all been waiting for. The final of the NCAA men's basketball tournament. The culmination of a long, hard-fought season. The end of March Madness. How are you doing with your bracket? Wait. What? What are you thinking? Have you forgotten? Forgotten? I guess we've probably all forgotten that this weekend should have been the finals. And madness? March madness? I guess we faced our own madness and a whole different kind in March. But I sure hope we have not forgotten this season we are in. And the events that culminate this season. It's the season of Lent. As we face Maundy Thursday, Good Friday, and today Palm Sunday, as we anticipate the final culmination of Easter and celebration together. March Madness in the basketball sense is not about people getting mad or upset. It's about people getting excited. It's about passion and the events to come. I think it's perhaps that same environment that surrounded Jesus as he entered Jerusalem. The people are enthusiastic. They're shouting Hosanna. They're waving palm branches at him. They can't wait to see him. They have been anticipating the arrival of their king for some time now. But is Jesus, is Jesus the king that they really have been looking for? And will this week for them end as they anticipated? Two questions as we prepare to read our scripture this morning. What is it that Jesus possesses that perhaps his people can possess too? And what is it that can turn our madness in the, in the passionate sense into motivation and transformation for this season we are in, and as a matter of fact, for all seasons of our life. I invite you to follow me with our gospel lesson that will be read on this Palm Sunday that comes from the book of Matthew. It's chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. I hope you'll take out your Bibles that are before you, and if you don't have it, go get it. We'll wait for you. Go ahead. Go get it. Dust it off. Pick it up. Maybe you've got it. Maybe you've got a, a, an electric appliance that you can use to uh, help you follow our scripture. Turn to Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. Let us hear the word of God for us this morning. Chapter 21, verse 1. When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethphage and the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this. 
The Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? And the crowd was saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Have you heard the new definition of irony? Gas is cheap, but we can't go anywhere. We've been home a lot more lately. I've been hearing about people taking virtual road trips. Perhaps you've taken one. It made me start thinking about actual road trips. Have you ever taken a road trip? I mean, one of those road trips where you just spontaneously jump into the car and you head off. It was the spring of my freshman year at Ole Miss. That's the University of Mississippi, if I need to emphasize that anymore. It was this time of year and this type of weather, a, a beautiful day, and we had just eaten lunch, and a group of friends, we were sitting around talking, and one of them said, hey, why don't we go to Birmingham to see Duke play basketball? We talked about it and said, why not? In the car we went. It was about a three-hour trip. We got there in time for the second game, which Duke was playing in. I have to confess, I, I don't remember who they played or really if they won, even though I think they did. It was over 30 years ago. But what I do remember is the excitement of just jumping in the car or going, the excitement of here was an opportunity, and we said, why not? Let's go. And we experienced a fun evening together. I wonder how many people in the crowd with Jesus on that Palm Sunday were there because they fully intended to be there and they wanted to be there and they planned to be there. I wonder perhaps if there are others who came just because it was a, a fun event. It was a happening thing. It was something to do. What separates the two? I think it's one word. Zeal. Z-E-A-L. I encourage you to write that down this morning. If you don't have a pen or pencil, go get one. We'll wait. We're here. Zeal. But here it is. Don't write it down horizontally. I want you to write it down vertically. And you'll know why in just a minute. Webster defines zeal as an eager and ardent interest in the pursuit of something. An eager and ardent interest in the pursuit of something. It is the display of zeal that attracts us to a Cinderella team during a basketball tournament. It attracts us to an artist as they entertain. It attracts us to people as they share the joy of life. It attracts us to a Christian who lives their life in faith. Zeal is displayed in a team and a coach, in a person and even in a church as one who is able to gather the passion of many and channel it into one common goal or one common purpose. 
My understanding of zeal was expanded one time from a Sunday school teacher many years ago. She spoke about a devotion that she had heard at a conference event. It was about having zeal for the Lord. It was taken from Psalm 69.9. Write that down. Psalm 69.9. For zeal for your house consumes me. It was this moment for her that sparked a change in her life which led to an eager and ardent pursuit of creating midweek activities in the life of her church. Do you and I have this type of zeal? Are we so committed to God and following Him that we gather together in one common purpose? The best example of zeal we have is Jesus. Jesus Himself. We see in today's text, and His zeal is fourfold. Jesus is headed to Zion. He's eager and excited about this journey ahead and does it with enthusiasm. He had the right attitude, and in his heart was love. You get it? Here's why I wanted you to write it down vertically. Zeal being Zion-headed. E, and the eagerness and enthusiasm. A, the attitude, and L, in love. You know, it seems our science community has one focus right now. It's to find a vaccine Our state and federal leaders have one goal, it's to keep people safe. We probably all have one goal today and one focus. What's that? Stay healthy. Jesus had one focus. His one focus was headed to Zion. Verse 5, you got your scripture still open or there before you? Look at verse 5. Tell the daughter of Zion, look, your king is coming to you. The exact translation of Zion is not known. But Zion is used in the Old Testament interchangeably to refer to the city of Jerusalem, the city of David. Zion is also used in the book of Psalms in multiple places in regards to the Temple Mount or God's holy mountain. Zion is a place of security and protection. The church and the gospel message are all forms of Zion. Simply put, Zion is God's holy dwelling place. Jesus was headed to God's dwelling place. In one sense, he was literally headed to Jerusalem, but in another sense, it was a heavenly dwelling place. Jesus had his eyes focused on this dwelling place through everything he was facing. It reminds me of that song, Marching to Zion. We sing it here in our our Methodist hymnal. It probably best illustrates this. Hear one of those verses. Come we that love the Lord, and let our joys be known. Join in a song with sweet accord. Join in a song of sweet accord. And thus surround the throne. And thus surround the throne. Sing the refrain with me. We're marching to Zion. Beautiful, beautiful Zion, we're marching upward to Zion, the beautiful city of God. So Z stands for Zion, and E stands for eagerness and enthusiasm and energy. 
We see that at any high level of competition. We see that here in the church at worship and music and room in the inn, Emmanuel feeds and other places. Jesus displayed incredible energy, enthusiasm, and eagerness on his journey to fulfill God's purpose for his life. Now, true, if we know the rest of the events of the week, that Jesus may not have been real eager to die on the cross. We, we see that in his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. But he was willing and obedient. What he was eager to do was to do his Father's will. He was confident in his mission, and he was willing to carry it out. And can you imagine the amount of energy must, Jesus must have faced and the verbal and physical abuse that he must have gone through from so many on that journey to the cross? People use words to express their enthusiasm. The people did it when Jesus entered Jerusalem. Remember, Hosanna! Coaches might do this. Spectators, commentators, players, preachers at church. But words are not always an accurate reflection of our inner, inner enthusiasm, our zeal. Today you see words used in all sort of ways, sometimes not the best. Movies, books, songs use profanity to display more enthusiasm or emphasis. It seems people are searching for ways to release their energy and their enthusiasm in ways we think shows zeal. But the problem is, is we don't have an adequate understanding of what zeal really is. Jesus was an example of zeal by being Zion-headed and eager, enthusiastic, and energetic. And his words backed it up. Do yours? Do mine? Jesus was also an example of zeal by his attitude. By his attitude. The best definition of attitude that I've ever seen comes from Charles Swindoll, and it's long, and I encourage you to look it up, just Charles Swindoll and attitude. But there's one line that I want to refer to it. I am convinced, he says, that life is 10% of what happens to me and 90% of how I react to it. Jesus was in charge of his attitude. He knew what people thought. He knew what the religious leaders were saying. He knew that the people would turn on him. And despite all of this, he kept his head high, his eyes forward, and his attitude focused on the mission ahead. Our attitude can play tricks on us, especially in this time and season we are in. We need someone we trust to help us sometimes adjust it. Jesus was sign-headed and was eager and enthusiastic, and he had the right attitude. And last, he demonstrates love. He loved those nobody else did. He ate with them. He taught them. He touched them. He healed them. He gave his life for them. There's no better act of love. We are seeing many in this day and time who are giving their lives and for others. We saw it a couple weeks ago in the tornadoes that hit Jonesboro and central Tennessee. We see it with many of the healthcare workers who are on the front lines. We see it for people who are willing to put their life on the line. That's what Jesus did for us. Not just in the case something might happen, because he knew that our selfishness and our pride and our sin would one day kill us. 
He did not want that to happen. So he died. And his blood, if we believe in him, will cover our sins so that at death, it doesn't just end there. But we will be with God in his holy, heavenly dwelling place forever. It's that moment, that moment that begins in our life, at the moment that we accept what Christ has done for us, not at the moment of death. Hosanna, save us. Jesus is our ultimate example of zeal, and one that we should be zealous to follow, but all too often we let that love turn in to hate. Here we are on this Palm Sunday, and you read this glorious, exciting, celebratory passage of Hosanna, save us, and Jesus, blessed be the one who comes in the name of our Lord. But you remember what many of these same people shouted on Friday? Crucify him! Crucify him! Our zeal, our eager and ardent interest in the pursuit of something can be more concerned with following what's popular than standing up for what's true. More concerned with doing that which follows the least resistance or leads to selfish gain rather than that which is correct in God's eyes. Palm Sunday. Today. This last week, this holy week, is our final call during Lent to check our zeal. Time in which we see if our zeal identifies us more with Christ or the world. A call to move to a higher level of commitment because zeal for God's house consumes us. Jesus showed us how. The people showed us how not. What about you? Today, this week, we as a church gather together with zeal. Yes, we do it remotely, but we still have zeal gathered for one common purpose, to glorify God in all we do. If so, then we too, in our own life, in our own journey, must be Zion-headed. And we must do it with eager and enthusiasm. We must do it with the right attitude and with a heart filled with love. Love for others and a heart that receives the love that God has for us. Then let our songs abound and every tear be dry. We're marching through Emmanuel's ground. We're marching through Emmanuel's ground to fairer worlds on high to fairer worlds on high. Sing with me. We're marching to Zion, beautiful, beautiful Zion. We're marching upward to Zion, the beautiful city of God. What a road trip that would be. I bet it would be one that we would never forget. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen.